You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. I want to welcome those of you who've been away for a while and are dropping back in. I want to welcome those of you who are here for the first time. And I want to welcome those of you who come every Sunday. I want to welcome everybody. Really glad you're here. Really glad. For over 160 years, in the universalist spirit of love and hope, we are the people who give, receive, and grow together. I love saying that every time I say the welcome. We are the people who welcome, affirm, and protect the light in each human heart. We listen deeply to where love is calling us next. And with humility, courage, and compassion, we act to create a more just world. We do all of this as a faith community committed to ending all forms of oppression and especially committed to racial justice. This is the life we invite you into when you journey with us. And this is the spirit alive in our worship today. So let us arrive. Let us take a few smooth breaths together. Let us be here now. Please join us in saying the words to the lighting of our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Hi, everybody. My name is Susie, and um, I'm giving the story today, which I'm really excited about. Um, for the past week, my kid and I have been watching a lot of the Olympics. Now, the Olympics, like a lot of things, are complicated. And this year, because so many people are worried about how the Olympics is going to spread COVID, they're even more complicated than normal, but my teenager and I are still enjoying watching. And there is one story of two close friends that I wanted to share today. The friends are two young women that compete in gymnastics. Their names are Simone Biles and Jordan Childs. And yes, their names do rhyme and they are very close friends and both of them have made big changes in the sport. Jordan first tried gymnastics uh, when her parents gave her a class as a present for her birthday. So her dad had her cover her eyes and drove her up to a gymnastics center 
as a surprise and they thought she would really like gymnastics because she kept jumping off the couch doing all these twirls even when she was told she wasn't supposed to. And she would often, um, when playing t-ball, do cartwheels in the outfield um, instead of really playing t-ball. And they were right, she really loved it. And she went from level one to level two to level three, all the way up to level 10. And then after level 10, there's this kind of a big jump up to the elite level. And when she made that jump up to elite level, she started to not love it quite so much. Um, at that level, she was expected to miss a lot of other things that she liked, like sleepovers and school things. And her coaches were monitoring what she was eating, which felt very hurtful to her. And they were saying things about her hair, um, calling it too poofy and telling her that she would have to change how she styled it uh, for competitions. And all of this kept building until she finally told her parents what was going on and how she was feeling. And her parents felt bad um, that they hadn't realized what was going on. But at that particular center, the whole system was designed for parents to kind of be out of the loop. And there was this expectation in gymnastics, like a lot of sports, that if you are going to be an Olympian, then you're gonna to have to give up a lot of other things um, that kids uh, usually enjoy, fun, normal high school things. But Jordan said no to that. And she decided to finish her senior year and to go back to sleepovers and experience her prom and her graduation. And if that meant no Olympics, she was fine with that. But her friend, Simone Biles, had also been challenging the status quo in gymnastics, and especially this really harmful practice of isolating elite gymnasts from their families. In fact, she and her parents built their own gymnastics center, one that would prioritize athlete health and safety. And at her gym, parents were not only encouraged to come whenever they wanted, but there was also places where they could see absolutely everything happening in the gymnastics center. The center had become home to a lot of gymnasts, but especially black women gymnasts, because the center was built as a place for them to train. So Simone asked her friend Jordan if she would like to move to Houston, Texas and train with her, that she did not have to give up on being an Olympian if she didn't want to. And if she did want to, that was fine. Um, Jordan said, yes, yes, I'll move to Houston, Texas and I'll train with you, but not until I graduate. Jordan's experiences with her former coaches had shaken her confidence, but with her friend Simone in a place where she was centered, she thrived. And when the two friends made the US Olympic team, Simone had with her this special Olympic necklace of the five rings ready to give to her friend to celebrate. So I was thinking about these two friends before they even competed at the Olympics this week, because they were each told things like, but you have to do it this way, or 
this is how it has always been done, or you won't succeed if you don't do it this way. And not only did they reject that, but they created new paths for themselves and others. Now, you might or might not know that this week, Simone Biles wasn't able to compete at the team competition at the Olympics because she needed to prioritize her mental health, which to me was just another moment of courage. And her friend Jordan and her teammates, Sunisa and Grace, both of whom are from Minnesota, by the way, rallied around her. And I think the thing that inspires me is the way that they have all supported each other. And that to me speaks to the best part of this church, which is the relationships of people who will support each other and who will challenge things, even those things that have always been done a certain way. And now please join in with Amy and Franco as they perform the song, Building a New Way. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Franco. And thank you, Susie, for that story. Thank you so much. Really inspiring, um, really helpful to be reminded of how friendship and community is what we need in order to move and change things. I'll get back to that in a little bit. 
But first, church, I invite you to pray with me. I invite you to fortify ourselves for the work of change and liberation. In the name of all that is holy to all of us, we gather today as we do every Sunday to feel the connection between us. Spirit of life and love be with us now. Help us arrive more fully into this space. We pray and lift up the water protectors who are holding the line at line three and doing important work. We name our growing awareness of climate change and we pray for the strength to make the small changes in our lives and to, for the courage to hold our institutions accountable for the large changes that need to be made. We pray for rain, that the fires die down and the smoke clear up and that those most vulnerable among us are able to breathe easily and go out without worry. And we acknowledge as we do every Sunday that joy and sorrow are woven fine. Many of us have both struggles and delights in our life and sometimes one, more of one and sometimes more of another. And we share those here in community because it helps. It helps to share them in community when it's hard and it's wonderful to amplify it when it's good. Both are good to share in this space. So let us take a moment of silence to be with what is in our lives, in our souls. And then as we feel comfortable, please share in the chat so that others can be with you and do our little parentheses hug thing that we do in the chat, which I think is really sweet. Tell us the good and the hard, the new and the still challenging. Bring your joys and your sorrows to the community well, friends, that we may help you hold them and celebrate as well. Thank you, friends. Thank you for sharing what is. I see the concerns. I see the resilience. I see it. We hold it together. Thank you for sharing it and being vulnerable in this space. I appreciate you. For the things shared in the chat and also for the things held quietly in our hearts. Together, we pray. May the grip of addiction be loosened. May the weight of oppression be lightened. May grief be shared. May joy break through. And may love make every suffering bearable for us all. Amen.
So I'm going to start with a story. A few days ago, a good friend of mine asked me a really helpful question. She asked me, what do you miss from Michigan? Now, most of you know that I just moved here to Minneapolis from Michigan a month ago, and I'm an external processor. So it's really helpful for me when my friends ask me, how's it going? Or what about this? Because as I talk about it, I figure things out. And that was really helpful. And what I recognized as I started answering her question is that I don't miss much. I don't miss much because I don't miss working from home. I'm really excited. I'm actually coming to you from my office at church. Right here in this corner is going to be the new tree very soon, very soon. I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm really happy with our new house in Minneapolis. The house that we left in Michigan was really lovely, but it was really big. And I'm really glad to be in a house that feels more right-sized to me. It's really great. And yes, I will miss my friends at some point, but my friends and I were very busy and we go long times without seeing each other in person. So I haven't hit that point yet. At some point I will hit that point. I'll be like, hey, I need to see them. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm not in Michigan anymore. But right now I'm just really excited about all of the things that are happening. And um, yeah, I'm also a little tired. That's true because moving is a thing and there's a lot of boxes in my house. But what was really interesting when my friend Karen asked me, how's it going and, and what do you miss? Is that I also, it invited me to do a little more introspection and recognize, wow, things are good. And, and things are a little unsettled for me. Like I'm not completely grounded yet. I'm not all here. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a good thing to notice. And I was reminded of the change cycle and the idea that a catalytic event doesn't have to be negative. A catalytic event can be a positive thing that still puts you in a new environment into the change cycle. And that's exactly what's happening to me and my family. This is a very important catalytic event. So let me back up, tell you a little bit more about what I'm talking about. Some of you received the Weekly Liberal and saw the invitation to watch a video about the change cycle. The change cycle is a model that I learned in my life coach training with Martha Beck. And um, it's really useful. I've, I've, I've used it not just in life coaching, but also in ministry and in social change work. And I wanna talk a little bit about some of that today. The order of service has a link to the video where I explain the full cycle more in detail because I don't have time in this reflection to go into it. So if you want to check it out after the service, there's a link in the order of service for you to, you can either look at the model, the PDF, or you can also check out the video where I explain it a little bit more. But the most important thing about this change model and what I wanna share with you today is that we are always in the process of change. Always change is happening. Always catalytic events are occurring that are thrusting us back into this cycle. And how we relate to change and surrender to it or harness it makes all the difference. It's a big difference in how we experience what is happening. So anytime we experience an important shift in our lives, what Martha Beck calls a catalytic event, 
we move into square one of the cycle, which is the space of death and rebirth. Some old part of our ego, an old way of understanding the world, an identity that no longer applies needs to be released. Then we are able to move to the next part of the cycle where we vision and dream and figure out what we wanna do next. Now, my favorite part of the cycle is the mantras because that's where the meaning making happens. So the mantras are just sentences that you can repeat when you're in different parts of the cycle to help you and to remind you of where you are in the cycle. So it's just something that you can repeat over and over again, like a mantra, that's why it's called a mantra. And the reason that I love them is because that is where the meaning making happens. Meaning making is theology. How we make sense of what is going on and why and how we make choices connected to our values that is the work of faith formation and faith development. And that's why I like it so much, because I think that's really important work. Now, the square one mantra, when you're in death and rebirth, the first mantra is, I don't know what the hell is going on, and that's okay. <laughs> I love that mantra. I say it a lot. <laughs> and I want to say it's helpful to, to recognize the second part of that mantra especially, and it's okay. In fact, every mantra is blah, 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 and it's okay, blah, 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 and it's okay. I don't know what the hell is going on is a way of grounding for a moment in the understanding that things have shifted and we are not where we were before and we don't know what's going on and that's okay. And I would like to offer you the belief that we're all in square one right now in one way or another. We're in square one because of the smoke and climate collapse and all of the things that are happening. We're in square one because of the insurrection that happened six months ago. We're, we're in it's square one because of the pandemic and now this Delta variant. And we're in square one with every time we have another case of racism in our communities and of police brutality. Like we are constantly being thrust into square one. And I think it's valuable for us to remember that and to treat ourselves and each other gently. Now, the original change model by Martha Beck is focused on the individual because she's a life coach and she's helping people move through their goals and, and get to where they want to be as individuals. And I like it, but I also think that that's the limitation of the model because I believe in, in the work of community. I believe in the collective liberation and not just in individual processes. So I would like to offer you that this, this model and this mantra also translates to our work as a congregation especially in these times. And I'd like to say that knowing when we are in the cycle of change helps us to stay flexible and resilient when we feel challenged. So for example, I'm in the beginning process of collaboration with some lay leaders to set up a racial justice summit. And our goal is to bring all of those working in racial justice together to discuss and clarify who's doing what and what are we doing collectively. 
this summit will be a catalytic event for our congregation. It will give us the opportunity to make some changes and improve our communication and strategizing. And I'm hoping it's gonna invigorate us and give us energy and enthusiasm so we can keep getting into good trouble. And it will also challenge us. And we will have to fight the impulse, as Susie was saying, that, that people were saying in gymnastics, where when, when we say, but we've always done it this way, or that is not how we do things around here. That's the challenge. When we can collectively acknowledge and support each other in the experience of death and rebirth, it makes a big difference in how we feel and how willing we are, how open we stay, to, to what's happening and to our ability to challenge the status quo. Noticing where we are in the change cycle and making meaning together will help us move forward as we both harness the opportunities that change offers us and we are also harnessed ourselves by the community that is making deliberate and caring changes. Now, one more thought. I think that saying, I don't know what's going on and that's okay, is incomplete. Rather, I wanna say, I don't know what's going on and that's okay because we will figure it out together. Or I don't know what's going on and that's okay because I trust in something bigger. For some of us, that something bigger is what we call spirit of life or the power of community, or the Buddhist concept of interbeing, or a connection to our ancestors. So many things are holy to us. So many things are bigger than us and sustain us when things are challenging. So as we lean into each other and into that bigger thing that holds us, that's when we can take calculated risks that help us bring about the world that we are dreaming of. And it also helps us relax into the now. We can be here now, feel held, and then choose the next possible thing that we can do. We lean into deep trust and collaboration that comes from being in a community that we have nurtured and grown. Very much like Susie was sharing in the story about Simone and Jordan, we can challenge the status quo when we have community and friendship and others believing in us. Together, we can look at the ways that we have done things and we can say, this is not sustainable, or this does not honor our values, or this is not the beloved community that we say we are. And then, we can shift things together. Together, we can do things that we cannot do alone. Like the Reverend, Reverend Nadia Boltz-Weber says, God never gives you anything your community can't handle. Like that. So may our collective mantra in square one be, I don't know what the hell's going on, and that's okay, because we've got this. May it be so. May we choose to lean in. May we be open to change. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.